Greetings, you're on Deep Background at the Kansas City Star for December, what is today? 13th. 13th. December 13th, 14th, somewhere in there. Uh, back with you on Deep Background. My name is Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star, and joining me today is Mike Hendricks of the Star. Mike and uh, Matt Campbell have been working for months on an important and interesting series about firefighter safety in the United States. Mike, thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. How, how did you... Uh, I mean, I think we all pay attention to firefighter fatalities when they happen, and there's a there are funerals and and uh, you know, tributes to the fallen firefighters. But I don't think any of us sensed until we read your stuff how systemic and widespread the fatality problem is in the firefighting corps. Talk to us a little bit about that. It, this is a bigger problem than we think, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 not. We're not talking about huge numbers, but we are talking about the fact that. Uh, Firefighters tend to, uh, to die in similar ways um, year after year, uh, decade after decade, despite the fact that, as one of the fire experts we talked to says, we know what kills firefighters, we know how to prevent them from getting killed, but they keep getting killed in similar ways because lessons aren't learned. Yeah. How long did it take you to sort of work on this piece, Mike? And um, did you sense a pattern early? Did you know early that, hey, we're going to be able to say, in essence, this happens a lot and it happens in ways that it doesn't need to? Or did that sort of come to you guys as you reported out the story? Well, th this all stems from uh, the deaths of, of two Kansas City firefighters in October 2015. Uh, I was, uh, they died in a uh, uh, building collapse on Independence Boulevard. Uh, we started looking around back then to say, you know, how, why did this happen? Because apparently a collapse zone had been established. And that's a, basically an order for everyone to get out. And yet these guys were still in there. Why did that happen? Uh, we started. And you reported that story as well, didn't you? That the collapse zone had been created, and yet these guys were still in a place they should not have been. Correct. I came in. I came in uh, several weeks after this occurred. Uh, we already had established that. I think the other reporters had. What we hadn't established was how long they had been in that area, uh, and we and also we didn't. What we hadn't established was that uh, what the protocols were for collapse zones nationwide. And uh, or the fact that uh, until our reporting, that Kansas City did not have a policy for a written policy for uh, for excluding firefighters from a collapse zone. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that came through to me in your reporting for the series was how much of the fire service is built on tradition, you know, word of mouth, informal rules. You get the sense that the fire service has one set of sort of printed uh, you know, instructions, and and quite another for how they actually fight fires. Is that right? Is that that there's a difference between sort of what they know best practices to be and what they actually do in the field? Well, it depends on the fire department. There are fire departments that that go by the rules. Uh, the rules are not are not uh, um, rules that are enforced by law or, or regulation. They're, they are uh, according to uh, standards set, voluntary standards for the most part. Uh, by fire uh, service personnel uh, in, in, in discussions. Uh, they, uh, just like we have an electrical code uh, that's uh, sort of generally accepted from city to city that cities adopt, right. there's also some uh, codes uh, set up by the National Fire Protection Association. And, and they set, set out what is the best practices for how to manage on a fire scene, for instance. Uh, there's something called the incident command system. One person takes command and they delegate and it's all 
there's there are just protocols. Some fire departments really adhere to that, and they add their own standard operating procedures and guidelines. Some smaller departments, particularly, uh, don't have any rules whatsoever, or very few. Yeah, I was struck by the voices in your story from firefighters and fire officials who sort of all admit this, right? I mean, <laughs> you talk to enough people who sort of say, yeah, we just, we don't learn the lessons we should be learning and we repeat the same mistakes and we don't have a, a culture that sort of encourages people to think of their safety as the first priority when they go to fight fires. It, like, once again, it's department. Um, right. Department, uh, what their what their culture is. There's an aggressive firefighting culture within a lot of big city departments. I mean, we get in, get in fast. We save people. And we and we put the fire out. Um, there, there are safe ways to do that, and or safer ways to do that. Uh, nothing entirely safe unless you stay outside. And, and for many departments, that's not. They don't do that. I mean, right. that's another thing I read repeatedly. Is I was struck by the one image where the two firefighters went into some building. And like 20 other firefighters followed in behind, stood on the hose. I mean, you know, obviously there is some cultural reason for that. And that's a widespread problem, right or not right? Correct. Uh, in some departments that, in that incident uh, you're referring to, they said there, in their particular big city department, there was a culture of fire companies racing to put out the fire. Even though, for instance, uh, I don't, uh, there are some instances where, let's say, uh, a truck, a Station 10 or whatever, is supposed to, they're the one assigned, that's their area to go to put out a building fire. Well, maybe Station 2, which is a little bit out of the area, some of those folks will jump in their trucks and try and beat the uh, designated station to the, to the fire. It depends on the department. We, we, um, as far as the mistakes being made over and over again, the uh, International Association of Firefighters, a union, uh, back in the 90s, was so concerned that mistakes were being made again and again, they pressured the uh, Clinton administration to uh, set up, and Congress, to set up a program for investigating firefighter fatalities. They had, no one had done that on a regular basis before that. And so they set up this, this uh, squad that goes out across the country to investigate uh, fatalities. They did a, they, a lot of lessons were learned from these investigations, and those, those recommendations they make are passed on uh, in, those, in those reports, and those reports are widely disseminated. Yet, as we showed in the series, the same sort of things were happening again and again because people were not paying attention to those reports. Yeah. I, I want to uh, stay on this idea of federal involvement uh, for a minute because I think another thing I was struck by, and I think it's important, is you don't get the sense— Mike, do you, that there is an overarching federal presence in firefighting that would sort of mandate minimum, you know, we know OSHA and we know EPA and we know other other uh, uh, federal agencies who have some responsibility for protecting the public safety. In the fire service, you don't get the sense that's true. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't get the sense that, you know, these mandates are coming down and every firefighting force in every city follows them. Is that is that a problem? Is that A, right, and B, is that a problem? Is that a place to look to say, look, you, you need to have these minimum standards or minimum understandings, or do we leave it to each fire department to make up its mind? Well, there, as far as federal involvement goes, it's mostly in an advisory uh, situation and a research uh, function. There's something called the U.S. Fire Administration, makes all sorts of recommendations about firefighter safety and fire safety for everyone else. 
But as far as, as, as actual regulations and workplace safety regulations, firefighters uh, have fewer than almost anybody else out there. Not like OSHA at all. Well, OSHA uh, was established by Congress in 1970, and OSHA regs only apply to private employers and, and through an executive order, federal employees. But local and state public employees are exempt unless a state uh, takes federal money to set up their own OSHA program. And in that case, they must uh, protect uh, right. uh, public employees. 26 states have accepted that federal money and are so-called OSHA plan states. 24 others, including Kansas and Missouri, are not part of that. Right. And the other thing you talked about before we leave this subject is uh, the lack of federal involvement is a problem. And then the other problem or an other problem is the inability of the family of people who die in the service to sue the, the local fire department or to use some sort of monetary incentive to get fire departments to to adjust their ways or to think more about these problems. Talk to us about that a little bit. Well, it seems like a big problem too. Well, that would be the one one way you can you can force changes through a regulation and enforcement regulation. The B, the other way you can get employers, uh, as we found, private employers, to improve their safety practices is to sue them and get a big damage award, or at least sue one, and that's sort of an example for everyone else. Gee, we better change our practices, otherwise we're going to get sued and it's going to cost us a lot of money. That is not the case, generally, for fire departments. They uh, have, um, A, there's the municipal immunity out there, but also right. there's uh, they are subject to uh, work <clears throat> uh, work workman's comp uh, uh, regulations, which basically say that if you're hurt or killed on the job, your family will be compensated to a certain extent based on what that. based on whatever your state's uh, standards are. Right. But you can't sue to uh, get a big damage. You can't, in essence, punish the department for its punish, failures. There yeah. are yeah, you cannot punish them. You cannot get that that punitive damage that gets people's attention. There are some instances where this has occurred. Uh, New York City. Uh, there was a big uh, damage uh, award this past spring uh, for three firefighters who died and the three others who were injured. It was in the $150 million range, uh, $148 million, I think, that the city of New York was going to have to pay out. Of course, it took 10 years to get to that, and New York was going to appeal. So in the end, the uh, firefighters settled and their families settled for, I forget, 20-some million dollars this this fall. But that's a rarity. Yeah. So we've talked about some of the reasons for this this problem, the culture, of course, the regulatory environment, the the lack of the ability to sue. Um, Are are there other reasons that – is equipment a bad thing? I mean, do they lack proper equipment in the fire service? Is it aging stuff? That doesn't work well. I mean, is that another contributor to this? Well, we didn't get into that. You talked a little bit about the leather helmets that they still wear. <laughs> well, there are some. Those, those leather helmets, well, the, the helmets that fire, American firefighters wear are unusual compared to the rest of the world. They, they're, they're a throwback to the uh, 1700s. And some of them have leather. They were made out of leather, but those leather helmets are like 700 bucks. So they're not, they're not cheap, and they're pretty rare. Most of them are made out of plastics. But the bigger, but the bigger point I think you were trying to make is that the, the culture tends to be conservative in a small C way. They don't like to change equipment. They don't like to change procedures. I mean, that, that you know, and they don't, and they may lack 
the most up-to-date breathing apparatus and that type of thing. Talk to us about that. Well, um, once again, we didn't get a whole lot into the, the breathing apparatus, but I, I will tell you this. They are, uh, there are a lot of folks out there operating with a lot of departments operating with old equipment. So you may have, there may be advances in breathing apparatus or alarms, something called a pass alarm, um, uh, and, and other equipment. And uh, for instance, right now there's um, face masks. There's the face masks on um, the breathing apparatus tended to melt uh, before. Uh, there are new standards out there that 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 up up their temperature uh, rating. Right. So, but. But you can make that kind of a change in a standard, and maybe the New York City Fire Department, the Kansas City Fire Department, or someone out will go out and get the latest equipment. Well, their gear that they had for the last 10, 15 years, we know where that ends up. It's going to be out in, you know, Wingnut, uh, um, Oklahoma or someplace. Some right, small right. department will end up getting that their cast-offs. Right, right. You also talked in your s- stories about changing techniques for fighting, uh, fighting fires, not going on the roof quite as much, not... Uh, poking ventilation holes, uh, which tend to accelerate some fires. The old idea was that you wanted to get air in there, and now maybe not so much. How much has that changed over the last 20 years, and was it prompted by some of these deaths? Yeah, just in the last uh, five to 10 years especially, there's a um, UL, um, which is like the formerly known as UL Laboratories, uh, under, Underwriters Laboratories, and uh, a federal agency called NIST have been doing some uh, um, Research on fire behavior, and have been uh, have learned a lot of new things about, uh, and um, actually, basically, they learned a lot of new things that are actually old things about controlling airflow and uh, when you apply water uh, to uh, a fire. Uh, just previously, maybe 20, 30 years ago, the uh, there was a, a belief that you a fire 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 company would arrive at the scene and and just go in with their breathing apparatus and a hose, but they would not apply water from the outside, and they would knock out, they would put a hole in the roof and knock out windows all over the place because the belief was that you were going to try and cool things off and clear the smoke out. Well, what happens is, as we all know, is oxygen fuels a flame, and those flames are getting hotter and they burn faster now or, or quicker to get to higher temperatures because of the contents of our... Drywall, that type of thing. Well, not drywall so much. We have a lot more plastics in... The home. In the home. There, there's a really interesting videos if you go on to this uh, UL's uh, site, which will show what they call a legacy furnishings, a house with, with like an old Davenport with made out of cotton and whatever. Right. And, and a room right next door is filled with all kinds of plastics. It'll take 20 minutes for that, that old legacy room to flash over, for instance. And, and flash over, I mean flames going from ceiling, right, to, right. ceiling to floor. It can happen in four or five minutes and the other one, yeah. just because of the nature of what's inside. So talk to me about w- what uh, what's next, Mike. I mean, what y- y- we've talked about culture and regulations, the ability to sue, better equipment, better techniques. Is it going to take all of that to help this situation, or is there one, uh, are there one or two things that might be done fairly quickly to make things safer for firefighters? Well, the only thing, it's going to be uh, on a fire department by fire department basis. And it's, it's how quickly your fire department accepts uh, the new technology. I and want to come back to that. That's so important, isn't it? But as far as regulation goes, yes, just this past October, an advisory board at OSHA came up with a brand new set of regulations, first time in like 40 years, that really ad- address a lot of these things that are going on 
on the fire ground. It, they take the whole notion of a collapse zone, uh, how that's supposed to be done. And those would be mandatory regulations that would apply in those 26 states I mentioned if, if and when they are right. approved. But we don't know whether they will be approved or modified because we have a new administration coming in. And the hope is by some that if, it, if they are approved that eventually the other states will adopt those standards as well voluntarily. But we're talking a decade. Yeah. And that brings us sort of to the final point of your series, which I thought was so, again, interesting and compelling is – it, it, it will take, will it not, firefighters to demand change before change happens. I mean, you, you get the idea that a, a, a layman, a laywoman reading your series would be uh, concerned and, and upset with some of the findings, but we don't, we can't change the fire service. I mean, it's not like the citizens are going to go down to City Hall and demand that firefighting be made more safe. It would really take sort of a, a ground level. Uh, you know, surge of interest from day-to-day -day firefighters to force this change nationwide. Is that right? And and if that is right, do you sense that'll happen? Because I don't. I, I you know, this whole culture of bravery seems to still overarch the idea of safety. Safety first. Well, I think you're right. I, it is. It is going to take groundswell. You know, of. of of, uh, firefighters. Firefighters. I mean, it's not going to be even the captains and the chiefs. It's got to be the guys who, you know, put on the hats and jump on the trucks. And But, you know, there, the thing is, I guess we didn't really get into the series. We probably should have. And is is the notion that, that individual fire departments, their governing bodies, the people who pay the bills, the taxpayers, can demand these safer practices But you don't well. get a sense that they will. Again, yeah. there's no punishment if, you, if you're if you wrong other than the tragedies involving the firefighters. It doesn't cost taxpayers a lot of extra money. It may cost you a truck or whatever. But but I don't sense that that the public, which, by the way, as you know, and every survey shows, still admires the fire service almost over any other public entity that we have. They're number three. Right. I mean, they're, you know, because people see them running into burning buildings and they like that. And they, you know, if I were ever in a burning building, I hope this, you know, these guys and some gals would come in and pull me out. So it will really take, you know, the firefighters themselves to say, look, I, I you know, I, I, I want to put fires out and save lives, but I don't want to die in the process. Does that make any sense? Correct. And, and as, I, as some of our experts we talked to said, you can accomplish the, the life-saving, all the sort of stuff you're, we were talking about, all that bravery and all that, if you just do a little bit more thinking first. I mean, sometimes there are, there are, there are a bunch of smaller departments out there trying to act like big departments, for right. instance. This whole notion of the idea that, of the interior fire attack, that you go in and, and rush in and, and, and try and, and save the day, well, some small departments may only have two guys on a truck yeah. who's showing up at the scene. And the the standard, national standard is two in, two out. You have to have at least four and more than that, yeah. generally. Fourteen on a, on a house fire is generally accepted. So, so you have to acknowledge what your limitations are. A big city department like Kansas City or New York, they can send a lot of folks in and do do these uh, the, the life-saving we've been talking about. Right. But if you're a small department maybe you're not going to be able to get that done. And regardless of the size of the department, but certainly in smaller communities, 
don't you have to be a little bit smarter about your understanding of tactics? You had the big explosion down in Texas, which you wrote about, right. and that seemed to be another instance of people rushing in uh, without a clear understanding of what they were confronting in that in that situation to great loss of life. Well, there, there, I, to. Uh, uh, and we have experience with that in Kansas City in 1988 with the big explosion. Well, indeed, that 1988 explosion was cited in the report in West Texas in, t- in 2013 uh, that those folks in West Texas did not learn the lessons from Kansas City in 1988. Right. Classic uh, example of what we've been talking about for this entire discussion. Correct. The information is there. But for whatever reason, it but, doesn't it doesn't get there. But, but it doesn't get there for, in some instances. But there are fire departments all across the country that are learning these lessons, and you know often we we focus on what the you know as usual the the bad news, what, right. the, what, what things are going wrong. But there are things going right, and I, there are firefighters learning and fire departments learning from the new research. For instance, they uh, some were skeptical, but even some of the skeptics are beginning to accept some of the new science on how to deal with fire, and are changing their tactics. We cited the Los Angeles County Fire Department. Uh, those folks there were told never to apply water from the outside of a building when you're, when you're going in. Going in, you go in first, then you try and put the fire out from the inside. Well, in some instances, it makes more sense to put fire in for, or put water in from the outside first to cool things down before you go in, and they have now change their practices in Los Angeles County because of this new research. Yeah. The final question, we often in journalism, as some readers may know, we try to judge the efficacy of our work by how many things are changed and how people respond to it and what the reaction is. I get the sense from your series, though, that we won't be able to really judge whether there's been a change in the fire service for 20 years or more now that you and I are not going to be here 20 years from now. I won't be this microphone. <laughs> I hope right. I'm somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me too. Uh, but, but, but so if you're doing the, I mean, one of the points of your series is we've known some of these things for 20 or 25 years. In 20 years, will the star do another series that says the firefighting service hasn't learned lessons? Or do you think at some point there will be a corner turn? I think we're turning a corner. I, I think there, there, there will the number of, of these these number of these fatalities are already dropping off, have been dropping off, in, uh, on the fire ground. What kills firefighters more than anything is heart attacks. Right. And there's a and lot. And even of re- that's going away a little bit because the, the standards for not as much as maybe you. Maybe, would maybe not this year. The things the numbers are up. I mean, uh, they hmm. were, the number of line of duty deaths was going down the last few right. years. We're, uh, I think we've exceeded the national or the uh, ten-year average this year, and, um, and many of them are heart attacks. Yeah, yeah, but 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 cancer is another instance where we're looking at too. But you think twenty years from now, there that we have turned a corner, and that these kind of preventable deaths, like we saw in Kansas City, may be prevented. I mean, people are still going to die more in the fire more. service. It's a dangerous damn job, but right. But you get the sense that maybe things have changed a little bit. A little bit. I'm hoping that the, the series uh, will help. Uh, we were uh, heard from a lot of folks and the f- leaders in the fire service 
who said thank thank to sport because he said yes we've been talking to our, uh, to our folks blue in the face about this for a long time it's good to get an outside perspective maybe the people will take it serious more seriously now well, i think that's uh, absolutely what will happen and let's hope that it does end up saving lives as i think we all hope and anticipate that it that it will mike hendricks with the star thanks for being with us thanks dave helling with the star thanks for joining us again remember tell your friends about the podcast subscribe send us emails letters complaints praise whatever whatever hits you and thanks again for listening uh, to our discussion here today for now this is dave helling you have been on deep background